Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, glad you joined us. From jail to Yale, from criminal defendant to criminal defense attorney. That's the story of Reginald Dwayne Betts. At the age of 16, Betts went to prison for carjacking. It's the kind of crime and punishment that could effectively end a young person's life and ruin their future. But after serving over eight years of his nine-year sentence, Betts miraculously found a way to a better life. It was through poetry that he first became driven to find new meaning for his life. And now he's a graduate of Yale Law School and a celebrated author, public speaker, and social justice activist. Tonight, he's going to give a performance as part of Wayne State University's Arthur L. Johnson Urban Perspectives Lecture Series. The virtual event begins at 7 p.m. on Zoom. It is free and open to the public, and you can find information in RSVP at events.wayne.edu. Reginald Dwayne Betts joins me now to talk about his story and about tonight's event. Dwayne, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yes. So let's start here. Detroit plays a big part in your story. When you were in prison, someone slipped an anthology of poetry under your cell door, uh, The Black Poets, which was edited by uh, Dudley Randall, who was our city's first poet laureate. Uh, what did that book and Randall's work mean to you at that moment? Yeah, I mean... I was like 16, 17, and trying to find out what I might be, what mm-hmm. I might want to be. And that book taught me that poetry could contain worlds and that there was something that I wanted and needed to communicate to the world um, that I could do in 14 lines and 20 lines. And so it was a, it was a gift. And in fact, it introduced me to Ethel's Night who was a poet who had served some time in prison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things is that you just need to see the thing that you might become. And the book allowed me to see the thing that I might become. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I have heard stories before, of course, of people who find themselves in trouble and in prison and then later find themselves doing something quite different. Uh, your story stands out, though, uh, because of the extraordinary success that you found uh, on the other side of, of that that prison sentence. Um, what do you think it is about your situation that allowed that to happen, uh, that allowed you to leave prison and reach such high levels of achievement? I started the Million Book Project. It's a project intent on curating a 500-book freedom library for people incarcerated and to place it in prisons all across the country. And folks could find out more at uh, millionbookproject.org. But it really is books, though. You know, it's, it's hard to say why others didn't succeed or why others continue to suffer or maybe why others continue to harm, you know, people in their community. Um, but for me, it really was was books. It's strange, right? Because as a writer in a contemporary moment, you know, writers are often educators. Mm-hmm. And, and I like teaching too. I mean, I remember being a fifth grader, being, you know, helping classmates and being marked by my teacher to help the classmates that had the most trouble. And so um, for me, you know, finding poetry, finding a voice in poetry 
and then coming home and becoming an educator, you know, my whole life is centered around books. And I think that that has been hugely important for me. But uh, my life is also centered around prison. And I don't know if this has anything to do with my success, but um, I try to find a way to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Also acknowledging all the ways that people who have hurt people have wanted to become more than the pain that they caused. Mm -hmm. And that has been the center of, of like my life mission, you know, to the degree that I have one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you decide to pursue this law degree at Yale and then go work as a public defender where, uh, of course, you are confronted all the time with the ways in which young black men are, are conf- you know, uh, are, are, are absolutely trapped uh, by a system that seems designed to be sure that uh, that they don't succeed. Uh, talk about sitting on the other side of that table and how that how that affects you. Yeah, my first plan was this white kid. <laughs> this <laughs> white kid who got picked up for like you know he was in an in a open air drug zone and he was homeless and a drug addict and and they knew it and he got picked up for trespass but he was just passing through. And I mean, if you're homeless and you have no place to call yours, everywhere you are is trespassing. Wow. And I remember talking to him. You know, they found him with some residue, some crack residue. And, um, but the search was illegitimate, but it was no real way to make that case in court because he just wanted to be disentangled. And so we ended up pleading out to a charge that kept, they gave him another criminal conviction, but kept him off probation and kept him out of jail. And I remember thinking that um, him being my first client was in a way apropos because we keep acting as if this is a black problem, mm-hmm. a black issue. And in the ways in which we do that, I think that we kind of instantiate this notion of, like black criminality. When the problem is policing, the problem is American society and culture. The problem is that we haven't found really adequate ways to deal with drug addiction, homelessness, and violence, right? Yes. And so um, what I learned from being on the other side and talking to people who have been victims and talking to people who have been guilty is that um, a lot of times people want the same thing, to be able to move on in a meaningful way. Mm. And a lot of times the system doesn't offer anything close to that possibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people might look at your story and say, well, this is an example of the system working, right? This is someone who got into trouble, went to prison, and came out and made a better life for himself. Of course, I think that's an oversimplification of uh, the things that that not only happened to you, but why uh, they happened. Uh, But what do you think people should take from your story what 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 lesson should people be drawing from from your experience um i mean i survived prison but i'm not sure if that survival has anything to do with where i am now and so i wouldn't put too much stock in that i mean most people go to prison and whatever i whatever i am they don't become so i wouldn't put too much stock in that i think um i think my story is about 
was possible. <laughs> in prison, all the guys I knew were giving themselves new names. Mm. I mean, you wanted to find a way to be something more than you were. And that's why Malcolm X becomes El Malik Shabazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became Shahid. I picked the name for myself because uh, it means the witness. I don't know what people take from my story. Hmm. I hope they recognize that uh, I've tried to tell it straight and, and to tell it true. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's a level of suffering that some people experience that diminishes, if not completely ruins, their ability to tell it straight and tell it true. And so I hope that when people hear me sing, they know that um, my voice is a product of having not suffered in the ways that people I know and love and maybe dislike have suffered. Yeah, yeah. So, So one of the interesting things about what you've done since prison is that you go and you get a law degree from Yale and you're working in the system to try to bring justice to people who probably in many other cases would not get it. Uh, but you also turn into art. I mean, you turn very forcefully into the world of art to, to, to share not just your experience, but, but the insight that you have from it, the things that, uh, that you learn. Talk about the duality of that, the, uh, the work that pushes back against uh, the system that uh, that traps so many black males, but then the art that maybe inspires people uh, to 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 fight against the system or to to avoid the traps that the system has uh, has set up for us. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's hard because. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, honestly, man, the art reveals that it's not traps the system is set up. It's trying to figure out how to be a lovely human being in this world. It's hard. Mm. Poverty is an excuse for violence. You know, wretched living conditions is an excuse for robbery, for rape, for murder. None of that. And art is trying to make that plain and trying to talk about the fact that, yes, hurt people hurt people, but hurt people could be more than that. You know, at least that's what my art is doing. So, I don't know. I mean, the challenge is is, is, is trying to admit that uh, there is no utopia. Mm-hmm. And art helps you admit that and figure out how to deal with it. So, so let's talk a little about the event tonight with Wayne State University and your performance which is titled uh, Felon, an American Washi Tale. What can people expect if they attend? Um, it's a journey, you know. It's, it's a glimpse of a journey um, about what people experience um, when they come home from prison. And I, I think it's some humor in it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, it's, I know it's a little bit of humor, um, but it's also some pain in it. Um, I think, uh, I think art asks questions in a way that other mediums don't. And so if you come through, you'll hear some questions, you know, 
and you'll get a chance to engage with a few elements and aspects of my life and a few elements. They say the universal can be gotten at through the particular. Well, tonight you'll hear some particulars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Reginald Dwayne Batts is part of uh, this event, the uh, Arthur L. Johnson Urban Perspectives Lecture Series, tonight at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, this event is free and open to the public, and you can find more information and RSVP for it at events.wayne.edu. Uh, Reginald Dwayne Betts, thank you for being here with us on Detroit Today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when I'm going to talk with Congressman Dan Kildee about COVID relief and his role in the new Congressional PFAS Task Force. Plus, Adam Harris of The Atlantic joins me to talk about his new piece for that publication's ongoing Black History series called Inheritance. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.